hello and welcome to episode number 435 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. I am Carlos and in this week's show we find out what airport has the best queues, we take a look at some whiskey and a whale beaches itself in the mud. In the military news this week, the RAF are cooking with oil and the KC-46 flies on and on and on and on. So anyway, <laughs> joining us uh, this week, as always, over in the PTUK Master Suite Studios, he's not flustered at all, but he has got a very fetching jumper on. It's Matt Smith. <laughs> well, no, it's winter now here officially, isn't it, you see? So the cardigans are out now, you see. That's what's happening. <laughs> what, what, the, what, the singers? Yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah the little studio is full of five musicians, a.k.a. the Cardinals. <laughs> yeah, okay. Fair enough. Oh, dear. You can't tell you're a radio DJ, hey? Anyway. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you're skiving this week. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> anyway. How, how, how are things out in the world of uh, Matt Smith, then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not too bad, thank you. Not really a lot to report. Sort of uh, just same Christmas madness, really. Lots of things going on in terms of uh, trying to get cases to customers and things like that. So, uh, oh, yeah, yes. yeah we've, uh, we've got a, a, about sort of 80,000 of our 110,000 successfully delivered to customers. So that's a win. Uh, <laughs> it's, been oh, a, my word. it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. Dare, dare I ask, who is the courier of choice this year? No, you don't want to know. Okay. <laughs> I'll give you a clue. Yeah, it, it starts with a, a, a Y, and actually, to be fair, they're doing a sterling job. They are doing a oh, sterling job. Oh, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not all rumours right. are true. Not uh, all rumours are true, okay. No. <laughs> and uh, he's back with us this week again over in his glorious Buckinghamshire stately manor. It is, of course, Neville Bounds. Yes, here we are. And uh, no, it's been a very busy week. Very hectic this week for work. Non-stop, no flying, I'm pleased to say. So that's uh, good. But a uh, bit of train, a bit of Chiltern Railways activity. Ooh. A little bit of delay here and there. A bit of sweatiness from some of my passenger, uh, fellow passengers. But there you are. That's, that's how it is. Um, but uh, no, so yeah, very busy this week. And surprisingly so, because normally by this time of year, it's quietened down a bit. But uh, it's, well, it's just non-stop at the moment. So um, we'll have to just bear with it. Won't we? I, 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 did notice, I did notice that BA share price had dropped this week. It did, yes. Yes, mm. yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I suppose it's good to be busy, though, Nev. Let's be honest. We we, we all spent far too long not being able to do anything. So <laughs> to, yeah, I shouldn't just, really complain. Should yeah, I, or is it one of those where you sort of want that halfway house? Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Never mind, day. Yeah, BA's been getting a bit of a relaxing time this week, not having to care for uh, seat 1A. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I dare say somebody else will have been in seat 1A. No, they block it off while Nev's not there. Oh, do they? Oh, the whole fleet. It's the whole fleet. Okay. (laughs) If you say so. Anyway, you you may uh, may 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 have heard, but because uh, he's not uh, he's not in the background like he normally is, waiting to be uh, introduced onto the show. But Armando is is not with us this week. He's uh, busy having some. He's having a bit of good old fashioned family time oh, this week. It was Thanksgiving yesterday, wasn't it? So, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so Armando is, uh, is, you know, he's having a good, having a good old, you know, good old family fun day today, I'd imagine, which probably includes flying, to be fair, because it normally yeah. does with Armando. Let's well, they honest. do, they they do have their little cub, don't they? Is it a cub? They do, yeah, their the little bear yes. cub, their little yes, bear cub, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. See, I'm uh, learning. 
I'm learning. Oh, no, I know. Every every day is a school day. Every Apparently day is so. a school Those day. are the rumours. <laughs> so we're going to take a quick look then. Who's in the chat room joining us this week? Going to go up to the top here. And uh, first in this week, we had Arnie. Hello to you, Arnie Carlson. Good to see you in there. Uh, Lee Davies. Hello to you. Richard Adams. Hello. Hobby time. Uh, Darren Livermore is also in there. Nice to see you in there, Darren. Welcome to the uh, the podcast family online. Uh, Mazus. Hello to you, Mazus. Good to see you in there, our local listener. Uh, let me scroll down, make sure I don't miss anyone. Neville Bounds is obviously in there, keeping an eye on things with his blue spanner of doom. We've got Jonathan Warner also is joining us uh, this week as well. And uh, Masha, hello to you, Masha. Good to see you in there. Dirk, good to see you in there as well. Uh, Sturman, hello to you, Sturman. Saw him earlier on today. He was flashing me frantically with his high beams <laughs> I beg on your his pardon. car. Oh, right. <laughs> oh, it, with, it, with his car, with his car. Okay, very Whilst, good. Whilst travelling through the Thetford Forest, he was... Uh, um, family show, ladies and gentlemen. Family show. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> uh, we've Wait, got, do, does that uh, mean I now have to pay royalties to APG? Oh, blimey. I mean, APG, <laughs> APG must owe you about £10 million by oh, now. OK, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nick Codling, hello to you, Nick, as well. Our main man, Micah, is also wielding his blue spanner of doom, so... Bots beware. Uh, don't forget, uh, if you... Oh, John Clarder as well. Hello to you, John. Nice to see you in there as well this <laughs> evening. Uh, and hopefully I have not missed anyone else. No. Uh, don't forget, if you're listening to us via an audio podcast, don't forget to check us out on YouTube. Search for us, Plain Talking UK. We're on there. And uh, you can click the subscribe. And don't forget to click the bell icon to be notified by a little ding on your phone when Matt hits the go live button in the studio. And join us. Join the family. Anyway, you know, it's all the best where all the fun is in the chat room. Let's be let's be honest, guys. So we've got loads of stories to get through this week on the show. Loads of great news stories. And uh, if all the team's ready, let's do some commercial news. We are. Yes, let's do it. Let's yep. do it. Yeah. The first story this week comes to us from Av Herald, One Mile at a Time, SimpleFlying.com, Aviation Online, and BBC New or BBC.co.uk. And uh, sad news we had this week. Obviously, this was all over the social medias, um, including Aviation Herald this week. And the LATAM A320 that collided with a fire truck on departure from Lima, Peru. So Friday, the uh, 18th of November, a LATAM Chile Airbus A320-200 uh, registration Charlie Charlie Bravo Hotel Bravo performing flight LA2213 from Lima to Peru was accelerating for takeoff uh, from Lima's runway 16 at around 15.11 local time or 20.11 Zulu uh, when multiple fire trucks with flashing lights and sirens sounded crossing the runway in front of the accelerating aircraft. The crew rejected to take off at high speed around about 125 knots over the ground but weren't able to avoid contact with the fire truck number three. Although the truck tried to turn around uh, in the direction of the aircraft. The right main gear collapsed on the aircraft, 
causing it to veer right towards the right-hand edge of the runway, coming to a stop partially off the runway around uh, 2,500 metres or 8,300 feet down the runway. A fire erupted around the right-hand engine, a Pratt & Whitney 1127G, and all occupants were able to evacuate the aircraft. Uh, the airline reported that uh, the occupants, all of them on board the aircraft, survived. There were 102 passengers and six crew on board the aircraft. Uh, 24 passengers were also uh, taken to hospital with uh, injuries. Four of those received serious injuries and 36 passengers received minor injuries. The fire truck was destroyed. Two firefighters on board the fire truck involved in the collision did sadly not survive. A third firefighter on the truck involved received serious injuries and remains in critical but a stable condition in ICU. Uh, Lima Airport partners said the rescue team performed an exercise called Response Time on November the 18th. The exercise seeks to prove that the aeronautical firefighters can respond to an emergency on the runway in a time no longer than three minutes. The administrator added that the operation had been previously coordinated with Peruvian Corpora uh, Corporation of Commercial Airports and Aviation, or CORPAC. The Air Traffic Authority confirmed the exercise would begin at 15.10 and last around 10 minutes. The accident with the LATAM aircraft took place at 15.11. On Monday, the Peruvian news media outlet Carto Porta uh, revealed the aircraft traffic control audio exchanges between the controllers and the firefighters and the pilots on board the LATAM flight. As reported by Aviation Online, the transcription of the communications show that the firefighter vehicle was authorised to approach uh, up to 90 metres away from the runway axis. At 15.04, um, the controllers said Rescue 6 cleared approach 90 metres away from runway axis up to the cones on the vehicular trackside one. This message authorised the firefighting team to begin the drill. And then four minutes later at 15.09, the response time exercise was confirmed. And at 15.11, a team of three firefight trucks uh, left the station, according to Corpac. Uh, they were supposed to enter a taxiway, but instead reached the runway at the exact time the LATAM flight was departing, which led to the collision. The International Federation of Airline Pilots Associations, or IFA, IFA LPA, uh, which represents more than 100,000 pilots in nearly 100 countries, released a statement regarding the incident. Specifically, they reported that the pilots of the flight were placed under arrest and held in custody following the incident. They spent roughly 24 hours in jail and were only released on Saturday night. So, Matt, you put the pictures up on the screen there. Obviously, most people, I think, have seen the videos, the various videos that are circulated on the social media pages. Um, we chose not to show them because it is, it's just not, a, it's just awful to see. Yeah, um, basically the videos. Is this is this the what I'm? I, I may be speaking a little bit out of turn here, so somebody please, uh, John, please shut me up if I'm getting this wrong. Is this the one where I saw um, a, a selfie being taken? Is is that this incident? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and there was, uh, I mean, and again, we've chosen not to to use that those or that photo, I should say, as well. Um, and it just to sort of describe it, really, it was two people. They were taking a selfie. You could see all the foam and everything that was all all there. I mean, to be fair, all you could see was the plane. There wasn't anything, you know, there to to see from that. But of 
uh, you know, I love taking a photograph and, and all that kind of thing. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, there's a time and a place for this sort of thing, isn't there? Mm. You know, and whilst I'm, you know, incredible that nobody on the aircraft were was seriously hurt or and everybody survived there. Of course, there were two firefighters who who Sounds lost their life, yeah. uh, you know, their lives in this. And, you know, there'll be a lot of discussions going on about, you know, where the blame lies, for want of a better word. But, you know, the, 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 it is a terrible, terrible accident, which, you know, shouldn't have happened but did. Um, I mean, um, me and Nev were chatting about yeah. this, Matt, before, before, um, before you joined us this evening. Yeah. We were saying that this could have been so much more different. The mm. outcome of this could have been a lot It could have different. been, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you think about it, the aircraft was uh, doing 125 knots. That's probably 15 knots below V1 speed anyway. So it's going, you know, it is committed, almost committed to takeoff at that point anyway. Yeah. And certainly in the high speed stop regime of a takeoff. Um, why on earth did the fire department think it was a great idea to do this exercise when there's live traffic going on on the active runway i i don't understand um they must know the performance of their vehicles fully loaded up with foam and water and all the rest of it and they n must know approximately how long it's going to take them to get to a any point on the runway i i don't see why you need to to test that out this is not a new airport i mean it's been there for a long time and they've had fire and rescue services there for a long time so i don't quite understand that i also do not understand why the flight deck crew ended up in jail um no. <laughs> when it was the at least the preliminary information is that the fire crews crossed the active runway or entered the active runway uh, without clearance from atc so so many questions there but thank goodness um we have a situation where I mean, obviously, two firefighters have, have lost their lives over this, but uh, the, at least the uh, aircraft was able to come to a stop. And how the uh, flight deck crew kept it on the runway is, is beyond me, because that, that's, that's very hard work, especially with the missing landing gear and damage and goodness knows what else. So uh, I think it was um, very fortunate, but I do seriously hope that lessons are going to be learned from this uh, right across the world. Absolutely shocking. Mm. Actually, Nev, our, our friend John Falk in the chat room says, um, makes a good point, actually. A couple of good comments from John. Says, nowadays, I think that boundaries have gone with mobile phones. Yes, no, uh, no self-censorship, is there? No. And also, John says, apparently normal. It's a normal thing to arrest people involved in that country. Uh, yes, that's possibly on the grounds that uh, it's um, guilty until proven innocent. Uh, perhaps the opposite of some other countries, perhaps. But yes, yeah. good point, John. Mm. Well made. Uh, Nick Codling's comment is also arguably the selfie takers may have been unaware of the firefighters losing their lives and were likely uh, feeling euphoric following a close call. Uh, actually, to be fair, that's that's not a bad shout, actually, is it? I, I suppose, uh, you know, I, I guess credit where credit's due. You wouldn't necessarily know, um, you know, what exactly had happened, I guess, at that point until you got off the aircraft and, I don't know, perhaps perhaps you, you wrongly making the assumption that everything was all okay. Uh, with an aircraft on fire, I definitely want to be getting as far mm. away as possible from that aircraft. Yeah, indeed, that is true. That is true. So... Moving on to the next story, Matt, and <laughs> this is quite, when I found this this week, I thought, oh, we haven't had a story like this for a while, so. 
Uh, no, indeed. Uh, and this is, <laughs> yeah, this is an interesting one, I suppose. Apologies, I'm having to read it off my phone at the moment. Uh, the headline is Bristol Airport, one of the worst for security queues in the UK, according to which. This is on bristolworld.com is the source for this. Bristol Air, excuse me, Bristol Airport has been ranked as one of the worst airports in the country for its security queues. This is according to a survey conducted by Consumer Group, which that ranked uh, and compared the UK's 14 major airports, which researchers surveyed 1,300 people who travelled to or from a UK airport over that period. They were asked how long it took them to queue at security. In what is not a good look for Bristol Airport, it ranked at, at the second worst with passengers having to wait an average of 30 minutes. Actually, I don't think a 30-minute wait for security <laughs> is a, is a, is a bad a way. I'd chalk that up as a win if I was at Stansted, certainly. Uh, anyway, a total of 17% of the respondents reported queues in excess of one hour at the airport. OK, that's slightly different. Uh, finishing top of the pile was Leeds Bradford Airport, as travellers experienced... A, an average security queue length of 35 minutes. More than a quarter, 27% of the facility users, waited more than an hour to pass through the security checkpoints. So let's go through uh, the list. Um, <laughs> I assume um, one being good in this particular list. Yes, one uh, is yeah, the best. So, yes, OK. So we'll start with the worst. As we mentioned, it was Leeds Bradford with 35 minutes. 13 was Bristol Airport uh, with a wait, an average wait time of 30 minutes. Birmingham came in at number 12 with uh, uh, 24 minutes. Interesting to know why they put Birmingham and Manchester who have the same wait time. Perhaps uh, one airport is favoured over the other. I'm not quite <laughs> sure. Um, but uh, tw 11th, 12th and 11th place, uh, both with 24 minutes of Birmingham and Manchester Airport. London Heathrow was in at number 10 with a 20-minute wait. 19 minutes uh, is your average wait at Luton uh, at number 9. Number 8 is Belfast International Airport. That's 18 minutes. London Stansted, 18 minutes at number 7. I don't believe that. I'm sorry. Uh, number 6, uh, Edinburgh Airport uh, is 16 minutes. London Gatwick at number 5. That's 16 minutes as well. Number four is Newcastle at 15 minutes. Three is Glasgow International Airport at just 13 minutes. Belfast City is also uh, 13 minutes at number two. And at number one, Nev, you'll be delighted to know, with the shortest wait time on average, is London City. Yes, but I'm surprised at that because they've got one of, <laughs> just one of these machines right. where you can put everything through. You do not need to take your uh, liquids out, your laptop, oh, wow. just put the whole lot through. Unfortunately, um, at the end of all that, they then pull all your bags off and then you have to queue up whilst uh, they do a, a, occasionally a manual search. So uh, I would say my experience has been longer than 12 minutes. But nonetheless, at least they're, they're sort of going in the right direction. And the check-in times are, are short anyway there. So it's not, it's not too bad. But um, you, you, would, you would imagine, wouldn't you, that this, this list would reflect the size of the airport as having the worst wait time so like i mean heathrow airport is way bigger than leeds bradford airport yet leeds bradford airport is the worst in the list for waiting time i mean london city i can see why that's number one because yes. london city is a tiny tiny airport when you compare it to the other ones yeah uh, but it's um it, it's also about 
how much time you've got to build into the whole travel process because you do not know what you're going to be dealing with. Let's be honest. You can turn up at almost any airport mm. and it could be 10 minutes. It could be yeah. 50 minutes. It could be an hour and a half or, or worse. Um, so, I mean, if you're in a lounge nerve, it doesn't matter, does it? Well, it, well, it does because you still got to get through security d to begin with. Because um, sometimes security is, in fact, often oh, yes. security is before the lounge anyway. So, oh. yeah. Um, so. Oh, so you can't even amuse yourself with a bacon roll in the meantime. <laughs> no, how rude! <laughs> how rude! Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Darren in the Darren in the chat room says wonderful Luton. Right. Yeah. Okay. Is that and, a, is, uh, Al's always a big fan of Luton, isn't he? Because he operates out of there, and he, he always says, "What a, what a great experience!" It's also he's, he's going through the crew lane. Uh, yeah, that, that probably probably helps. like Darren, I would imagine. But uh, yeah. nonetheless, I think you still get lumped into everybody else. Although there are crew lanes from mm. here and there, sometimes you do end up in the general melee of everybody else. Sometimes, but. Uh, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Well, yeah, I, I, yeah I, I guess it's a sort of funny one. But, uh, I, I mean, is it genuinely one of those? I mean, how many of us here would be deciding which airport we fly from based on how long it takes to get through security? Uh, nobody, because it's all about destination, really, isn't well, it? Well, yes, quite. You know, so I, I suppose I suppose this information is helpful in the fact that um, you know it allows you to uh, perhaps prepare yourself for the sort of you know to allow enough time to get there uh, and things like that. Perhaps I know Carlos has found I'm something that's amusing. Oh, just reading yourself. the chat room, uh, Mazus, <laughs> our good friend Mazus in the chat room is saying, "I'm sure London Norwich is waiting times are even shorter." Yes, I wouldn't surprise me, Mazus. Actually, and, yes, um, I mean, the the only danger you have at Norwich is you know the because it's still basically a you know a, a chicken shed which is likely to get struck by lightning let's be honest so uh, I suppose that's the only risk you have there Darren, um, Darren says in there uh, Darren says very expedient if one uses fast track well we oh. don't we haven't all got that option Darren no. honestly no, um, I will be actually having sort of second second hand information about Norwich Airport the week after next because uh, I'm I've got an appointment in Norwich and I'll have my boss with me from work and he's going to fly back to Amsterdam from Norwich <gasps> Airport. So, uh, yes, of course, because they they do they do regular daily services from Schiphol, yes. still, don't they? So yeah. we'll see uh, see yeah. what, uh, Royal Dutch Airlines makes of all that. Oh, uh, has he has he won the lottery now? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah. I don't think he needs to. He's not uh, be the price of the ticket. Well, no. I can only imagine. No, indeed. <laughs> Uh, Talking uh, about lounges. Oh no! So no, John. Oh, John Falk saying my experience going through T five Heathrow in transit in the last few months is oh that was helpful. Uh, is that the is the machines allow you to leave everything to go through uh, have a high breakdown frequency? Uh, maybe I was just terribly unlucky. <laughs> that is true, John. Yeah. Yes, I've had similar experience there as well. Uh, but Did uh, I? Did I hear something on on it was either Sky News or BBC News this week? I read it online. They're talking about abolishing the the liquids, um, let you know the liquids. Um, yes, uh, what they call it. Uh, the limit on liquids. Limit. That's, yes. that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Oh, really? yeah, they're 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 on about scrapping the maximum amount size of liquids you you take through uh, security. Apparently, uh, 20, it's to 20, do with the new machine. 2024 is what they're talking oh, right. about. So it's not right. exactly so not quite this week, then. Around the corner. <laughs> no. Yeah, apparently, they've already yeah. started trials in Dublin for, for, for lowering that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, we read a story about it, apparently. I, I don't remember. This, this is the. Uh, John's back, everyone, by the way. <laughs> John's back. <laughs> 
The voice in our ear yeah, is the back. The voice in our ear is back with uh, the font uh, of knowledge uh, of things that we've already forgotten about. Uh, but that's just because we're all a little bit older than he is. Uh, that's true. <laughs> Way older. To be that age again. Anyway, Nev, you've got the next story, and it's all to do with uh, with, with with clubs. Yes, uh, on the pointsky.com it says that uh, Delta now offers priority boarding at Sky Clubs to skip the wait. Well, the Atlanta-based carrier is in the midst of rolling out priority lanes for access to the Sky Clubs, as confirmed to the Point Sky by a carrier spokesman. These prioritised entry lanes will be roped off from the regular line and will offer uh, expedited entry into the lounge when it's operating at peak capacity. Eleg uh, eligible travellers can then use the new priority access lanes, uh, which include Delta 1 business class flyers, Delta 360 invite only elites, Delta Diamond Medallion top tier passengers, Delta first class flyers with lounge memberships. Uh, just as these groups enjoy priority boarding before departure, these flyers will now also enjoy expedited access to the Sky Club as well. Well, the move uh, to separate the Sky Club entry line comes as Delta suffers from severe lounge overcrowding at many of its hubs. With tons of eligible passengers passing through airports each day, there's not simply enough room in the Sky Club to accommodate everyone at once. Of all of the US airlines, Delta is the most generous with lounge access. Anyone with Delta Sky Miles Reserve American Express card or the Platinum card from American Express has access to the Sky Club, along with the carrier's long-haul business class passengers. Sky Club members and top-tier flyers selecting a lounge membership as their annual perk. Delta doesn't yet operate business class only out lounges, which further exacerbates the overcrowding issue for its popular Sky Clubs. Uh, as of June the 1st, 2022, you can no longer enter a Sky Club more than three hours before the scheduled departure time of your flight. The only exception is for connections which aren't subject to the three-hour rule. Uh, I can't help thinking that there's been a level of complication here, <laughs> once again, <laughs> which is unnecessary, isn't it, really? Um, the, I've, I, I'm not a Delta flyer myself, but all of these levels and all the rest of it, I mean, the, the poor gate staff or the, the staff in the lounge must spend all their time checking all the, the paperwork mm. to, to make sure you're allowed in and all the rest of it. Um, and I think you, the, you the, know, the, your, your lounge access, Nev, is that just for the BA lounge or do you have access to... Um, no, I can, I can only use any One World lounge. So um, when I flew to um, Helsinki the other week from Terminal 3 with Finnair, I could use the Cathay Pacific lounge, which is quite a nice one. Hmm. Um, but you've got to have a business class ticket or a BA silver or gold status holder to do that. Um, but... Um, yeah. Um, I, well, I certainly thought the Cathay Pacific Lounge was particularly nice at T3. That's the at Heathrow. That's that's really worth doing. And I'm, you know, um, I want to try and keep my sort of status thing going because it does help. There's no two ways about it. Um, obviously, I've got to do a lot of flying to to keep that going. But um, I, I I think it it is worth it. Um, but uh, what's happening now is that because so many people are reaching those higher tier statuses, um, the lounges are not really designed for that number of people. So trying to get a seat in some of these lounges is is a bit difficult sometimes. I've got to say. But actually, uh, I will say when we when we flew out of Heathrow to to Jersey, Nev, I, I I was quite surprised at how busy that lounge was that we were in. 
It was, wasn't it? Yeah, that was mm -hmm. the, the first lounge you went into. Yeah, uh, that was uh, mm -hmm. very hectic there. Uh, but you have to agree that the food was nice, though. That was oh yes, <laughs> I won't deny that the food was a, was amazing. There you are. Yes, yeah, you could definitely put on a food stone there if you're <laughs> delayed. <clears throat> anyway, um, next story, and uh, we're always talking, aren't we, guys, on the show about um, Boeing and Airbus and Boeing and Airbus and you know. Boeing and Airbus. I've heard of both of those. Yes, but there's a competitor. And uh, the uh, story comes to us from airdatanews.com. And <laughs> the first series production C919 emerges in China Eastern Airlines livery. According to the Chinese news agency, the first aircraft of China Eastern Airlines carried out a check flight on Sunday before being officially sent to the launch customer. It was the first time that the C919 registration Bravo 001 Juliet emerged with China Eastern's livery after being repainted weeks ago. Chinese media also reported that the aircraft will be registered with the brand name B919 Alpha. Ooh, how very apt. In place of the provisional COMAC registration. Announced in 2008, the C919 is a narrow body commercial jet proposed to compete with the A320 and 737, which are currently the best selling airliners in the world. According to COMAC, the plane can be configured with 168 seats. My God, that must be squeezed in. And has a flight range of 4,075 kilometers. COMAC is also working on the development of the C919 ER, but don't they all, uh, with an extended range of 5,555 kilometers. Despite being assembled in China, the C919 still relies on many components imported from the West, such as engines, avionics systems, which are supplied by companies such as General Electric, Safran and Honeywell International. Uh, launch customer of the new aircraft, China Eastern Airlines has a firm order for five units of the C919 and an option to purchase an additional 15. The aircraft also has been ordered by at least 30 other Chinese airlines and institutions, according to the manufacturer's website. The C919 has more than 800 orders. Blimey. Uh, the new Comac aircraft will, for the time being, be restricted to air travel market in China and in countries with close ties with Beijing. Exports, especially to operators in the West, depend on certification from international aeronautical bodies such as the FAA from the United States, EASA from Europe, which has been working on validating the Chinese jet since 2017. However, despite its slow development, the C919 comes to market with a com highly competitive price. The aircraft is valued around the back of the sofa. $50 million, well below the list values of most recent versions of the A320 and 737. The Chinese company, in partnership with Russian group UAC, is also working on the development of the CR929 wide-body model, which should reach the market by the end of this decade. Hmm, do we ever think the C919 will be anywhere close to overtaking the Airbus or the 737 or the 320? I'd no. be a little surprised. I can say That's my right. honest answer, no. <laughs> Do we yeah. think the FAA or uh, EASA actually, will actually, I'm not, I'm the not, uh, To be brutally honest, mate, uh, until you started reading that story, my answer to that question would have been who? 
<laughs> so so yeah i i i think i mean it's lovely that i mean there are a, you know they're, they're not the only people in the market let's be honest you know Be, uh, boeing and and uh, airbus are two very large players in the market but there are lots of other people who make there are other um you know aircraft i suppose they're just the ones that, that, that the big airlines are using and there must be a reason why they're choosing those uh over the, the you know the the other options that are available there and i suspect some of it is parts availability to be honest with you you can be sure with those big companies that you're not going to have trouble getting your hands on parts but when you think china we i mean we get quite a bit well i think we do i presume we get quite a lot of our electronics and bits and pieces from china do we matt uh, sort of components and bits. Well, and like, yeah, I would. Yes, electrical I mean, stuff. Yeah, they're 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 not they're not the only ones. I know people. I, I know, like in America and stuff, they're trying to sort of, you know, make their own and stuff. But the majority of you know the components and stuff are coming from from places like that. One hundred percent. But like the story yeah. says, they, they're still relying yeah. on um, importing stuff um, from other countries to uh, to build the aircraft. Yeah. Yeah, but then I, I, to be fair, I don't think there's any aircraft that isn't. You know, there isn't. There isn't one aircraft that is solely reliant on the goods that are made one. in that. You know, in their home country. So uh, I don't see that as a concern personally, um, because everybody sources their their bits and pieces from from everywhere else. Mm. Thoughts, Nev? Before we move on. Well, it's all about certification, isn't it? Really, because. Um, Unless EASA and FAA and the FAA uh, make sure this this thing's validated in the first place, um, it's not going to sort of go very far on the uh, on the other continents, is it? But um, hmm, I think I don't know. I think this is going to be one of those stories which is sort of we'll have to revisit later on because it's obviously going to be an ongoing story, isn't it? But I, I think at the moment it's a bit premature to say suddenly it's just going to be you know, um, a, 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 a yeah. dominant player, you know. <laughs> yes. Thanks for do. that, John. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, uh, just trying to put Nev off now, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, anyway, anyway, moving on, uh, Matt, uh, you've got the next story. Oh, what a surprise. Another new low-cost airline operating transatlantic flights. Indeed. Yeah, but yeah, don't be so sniffy. Come on. This is, you know, for me, it's the only way I'm going to be able to go and visit my friends. Yeah, in but it'll, it'll, be, it'll be, it will have disappeared within the next three months. Oh, never mind. Glass half full, mate. You better top that one up, I reckon. That's what it I... is. It is. Yes. <laughs> He's only halfway through. There we go. Uh, new low-cost airline to operate transatlantic flights. From Northern Ireland, Fly Atlantic plans to launch a new transatlantic airline at Belfast International Airport in summer 2024. It aims to fly to the US and Canada, British and European destinations and, once fully operational, plans to fly to 35 destinations. The initial announcement is the first stage in its plans. The next steps will be securing investment uh, aircraft and an operating license. Initially, the airline says it will employ 50 people at Belfast International Airport and 250 crew. It plans to create a thousand jobs in the first five years within the airline and indirectly create thousands more in tourism and uh, support sectors. The new airline says it will create a major hub linking Europe with North American destinations to supplement local passenger numbers. It'll initially operate six aircraft at its uh, Antrim base 
glowing, uh, growing the fleet uh, to uh, 18 by 2028. Based on information released to media by CEO Andrew Pine, Fly Atlantic would lease either Airbus A321neos or 737 Maxes to operate flights. Uh, Pine comes with a wealth of experience in the airline industry, with airlines ranging from Wow Air to Vietjet, which are Vietjet Air, which I don't know, Vietjet Air, uh, to TUS Airways. Hmm. Interesting. Can I uh, interject at that point? I do. Um, if he has got uh, <laughs> so much experience of airline operations, he will probably know that uh, low cost stuff to uh, the US from the UK has got a history of failure in this country, apart <laughs> from Freddie Laker, probably, and yes. Virgin Atlantic in, 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 in the old days. But um, there have been so many failures of, of this kind of operation. Now, we're talking about different aircraft now. We're talking about the A321neos and the 737 Maxes. So obviously fuel burn is a, a lot less, but getting bums on seats and actually getting the whole operation to work properly uh, with a limited number of aircraft is always challenging, especially if one goes tech or you've got a crew mm. problem somewhere. So uh, obviously I wish them all the best, but um, let's see how it goes. That's all I'm going to say. Mm. Yeah, I, I suppose the other, John's just saying in our ears here, one of the things that's rather interesting here is um, will they have the market from Northern Ireland to fill these planes or, or or are they banking on the fact that, I mean, perhaps it's cheaper to fly out of that airport? And if you if you were, say, for example, in the UK, you could very easily get an EasyJet because Belfast City, I think, is fed by EasyJet, if my memory serves correctly, out of Stansted. Yeah, know, this, as an example, this is going from Belfast International, so that's a slightly underused um, airport anyway at, mm. at the moment for sort of commercial operations. But um, I'm trying to think, is it is it Belfast International is the one where um, I think that is where EasyJet flies into? If my uh, it might be, yes. Oh, they fly uh, to both apparently. A, a so lot it, of them are going into City Airport, but yeah. Yeah, but is that what they're banking on, perhaps, is that those who, you know, because these flights into, I mean, we've used it because, you know, our, our flight, even in this current climate, was only £26 into into Belfast, uh, mm. I want to say Belfast International, um, you know, £26, and then, you know, a, a cheaper flight from there on. You know, perhaps that's what they're banking on is the fact that, you know, the the, the, co the lower running costs, as you say, from that airport that is quite clearly underutilised. Um, perhaps that's what they're banking on. Yes, I I don't know. I, 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 I'm a bit like Carlos with this one, I think. Uh, I've just got this. It's a very difficult route to, to do this uh, UK uh, to the US and also they're talking about European destination as well so that it's not just uh, across the pond it's other destinations too they're talking mm. about so uh, that there's probably more chance with with that but the US uh, hop across the pond uh, and maybe to, to Canada as well is is definitely challenging with the uh, the high cost of actually operating that in the first place so trying to do um, low-cost transatlantic flying is is in today's market very challenging but they're talking about 2024 that's a couple of years away yet, Two years so off, yeah. let, let's see it's all about service as well and you know if you're paying if you can get a cheap flight with this airline when they eventually do start if they do start 
but then you've got to pay this for, for something else. You've got to pay this to get something. You've got to pay this and pay this and pay this. By the time you've paid everything for your extra suitcase and all the rest of it, you could probably go on BA or Virgin or someone else's website and book a f equivalent flight with a lot higher standard of service, IFE, food, for a similarish price. Yes. Hmm. Well, mm. oh, so once once engines on his aircraft, I see. Oh, that's that's extra. I'm afraid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Quite. Yes. Amen. Seat one A. No, yeah. we took that one out. That's <laughs> uh, Matt. Uh, no, sorry, Nev. Sorry, you've got the uh, the next story, and it's all about for the next time you go to uh, Heathrow, Nev, and you can give him a good old stare. Well, yes. <sighs> This is going to be another one of those glass half empty ones, possibly. Let, let's see how we go anyway. Uh, the headline uh, on nfcw.com says that British Airways is going to be trialling contactless biometric boarding at London's Heathrow Airport. And passengers on BA flights from Heathrow's Terminal 5 to Malaga in Spain will be the first to trial a contactless biometric check-in and boarding system that will enable them to travel through the airport and board an international flight without needing to show their passport. Customers who sign up to take part in the trial will be invited to scan their face, passport and boarding pass on their smartphone or tablet ahead of travel, with this information being kept safe and secure. BA says. I'm just pausing there for effect. Um, when trial participants arrive at the wow. airport, smart biopod cameras verify their identity in under three seconds, allowing them to keep their passport safely in their pockets until they reach their destination. Not only is this the first time that our customers have been able to register their biometric information at home, but it's the first time they can use it for British Airways International Flights, BA Operations Transformation Manager David Breeze explains. This is a secure and efficient tool that makes for a smarter and smoother airport experience, which will reduce the time it takes us to board aircraft. The beauty of this technology is that it also frees up our people up to look after more complex customer inquiries and deliver the best possible customer service. BA plans to trial contactless biometric check-in and boarding for six months on flights to Malaga and will extend the system to other international flights if it is successful, the airline says. All right, pausing so for, pausing for dramatic effect. What, <laughs> what happens then when, when Nev obviously has all this this gump in place but then in the meantime nev grows a beard a moustache and decides to wear a, a wig and then goes to check in what, uh, what i do at the weekend is my own business oh. <laughs> but um on a well, slight, yeah. slightly more serious note um <laughs> i don't think that the the bottleneck is with passport check-in uh, issues or checking issues at the gate the bottleneck is with the uh, security side of things and the check-in in the first place, not passport identification. And how many times has your biometric passport not worked uh, when you go through the self-service machines? Mine works about two out of five times on average, something like that. Um, but it'll be interesting to see because they're doing a very long test on this for six months, but only on one... <laughs> sector so we'll have to see you know what what um, that brings but, i'm so uh, sorry nev i don't know if you can see bill's comment in i the can chat. i can see <laughs> bill's comments and bill says <laughs> quite rightly ba has, has such a great history of 
I, uh, of IT development. Uh, and uh, I think there's a, a lot to be said about that, which I can't possibly comment on. That, but, of course, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mike is getting involved as well. He's saying whether an airline says contactless, what they mean is lower service. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and of course... Well, the thing is, if I mean, even with biometric passports as they are today, um, if it, it doesn't work, then you're going to a new queue and then having a conversation with the immigration boys and girls, and that's great. But honestly, it's you know, it just doesn't work. Uh, John Fawkes asking me, do I take my glasses off when I go through the machines? Yes, I do, because my lenses are very flat, I would say, and they do reflect quite badly back into the camera. So I've actually got to take them off. Um, otherwise, oh, wow. they, they, doesn't act, they don't actually work. Um, but yeah, I think this is, I mean, I'd be interested to know how much this operation is costing just the, this trial period, um, because I'm... I, I, I'm, I'm thinking here that they're solving a problem that doesn't exist. True. True. Uh, but you see, the mistake you're making there, Nev, is you're applying logic to... Uh, I, I'm also not experienced on the airline ground operations either, so no. I haven't got a clue what I'm talking about. But I'm just thinking about my experience to date, uh, mm. where I'm flying probably once a fortnight internationally. And apart from the odd hiccup, I don't have much problem with passport you know interface and boarding pass interface um so we'll have to see we'll have to see how it goes <laughs> but um yeah um again a story definitely worth coming back to uh once they've started the trials and and see what the success rate is we'll have to see if it's if you can uh, have a look at it when you're next at heathrow nev uh well yes but then it's it's only on one sector on one route which is to malaga well you'll have to book a flight to malaga then <laughs> Oh, I can just mm. see Nev in the clubs. Oh, <laughs> yeah, living it large. He's got his glow sticks. He's getting stuck. You, you can you can yeah. head out there and have a good old traditional <laughs> Malagan meal. Mind like you, the, the only time I um, nearly went to Malaga is when we had, nearly had a diversion going into Gibraltar. Malaga is the, the favoured um, diversion airport when oh. it's sort of a bit windy at Gibraltar. So but I've, ne what, I've never actually I been to say, Malaga. So you're, you're polite. What you're politely saying is you almost accidentally went to Malaga. <laughs> exactly right. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, but Aww. you know, there we go. So, but let's keep an eye on this one because I think it it, uh, it could be interesting. But I think um, there are there are definitely challenges with it too. Well, before we move on, Mash is the luckiest one in the whole of the chat room, including us hosts, who in is the it only failed the um, it's only failed an automatic passport control machine once in the ten years. Wow, that she's been travelling. Mind you, I've got to say the Dutch um passport recognition stuff is really good uh, it's, it's never not worked there for me at all really um, so it's only when i've come back home <laughs> nearly always through heathrow uh whether it's uh, said please contact her i wonder i wonder what the different you know, which company is it so it's not the passport at fault then by the sound of it well you don't know do you that's the thing uh that, that those are questions that but we if, do not but ask. if your passport's working okay you know, there, why is it not working okay here? So it's not the passport at fault. Stuart Aslett makes a very good comment Go in on. the chat room. Stuart is saying that uh, with these machines, there's no wages or pensions needed for any of those machines. True, true, true. The other thing is that I'm just thinking about, I'm just going to compare, I'm going to do a slight rant here, so I apologise. Go on, Nev. 
but if you think if if you think that the uh in the case of driving especially in the united kingdom uh, you will hardly ever get pulled over by a police officer because you've been speeding that is almost never going to happen you will get a ticket certainly because of speed cameras um however um the, the policeman back in the day police men and women would pull you over and advise you on your on your driving perhaps and they might let you get away with it as well if you weren't oh, driving really? uh they might say well you were doing you know 10 miles an hour over the limit but you know just take it easy and, and off you go and that has happened to me back in the day when I, when I was a lot younger however um that's a bit like the the speed cameras it's it's a pass fail scenario and if you then apply the same sort of thing to what we've got going on with the passport situation um can the um immigration folks then question the person who's gone through with a passport that appears to be okay but may not be okay um is there going to be like a secondary situation a bit like they've got in most of the passport halls anyway when you've got the machines that um you put your passport onto there are uh, some guys and girls in the background uh just having a a secondary look i think as well so maybe if that is the case then that, that won't be so bad but uh, as i say i think this is possibly solving a problem that doesn't currently exist or as those as stuart said um that, that also means um less expensive labor doesn't it even with the cost of the uh, machines in the first place perhaps very true Yes, trip well to Malaga done, for you, I We're think, gonna... please, Nev. Yeah, We're sending drive, you to Malaga. Can I do that? I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to sign up for that, and I'm going to do a PTUK <laughs> trip to Malaga <laughs> and what? expect another rant. Or I might go, do you know what? That was fantastic. That's genius. That works. Yeah, who yeah. knows? Yeah, All right. you never know. You we'll never do some know. research on that. We'll do some yep. research on that, Nev. <laughs> Indeed. Oh, Indeed. Dear. Indeed. Of course, it's all going to be exciting in the new year, I think. It is. Anyway. So this next story comes to us from flightglobal.com and flightradar24.com. Uh, the only thing is we'll have to put Nev in the economy. But anyway, um, this uh, story is uh, U.S. regulators warn A220. I'm only joking, Nev. <laughs> U.S. regulators warns A220 operators to push the right button. Uh, U.S. regulators have disclosed that uh, two nearly catastrophic events were among 38 takeoff and incidents involving inadvertent Airbus A220 autopilot engagement. Try saying that after three of these. Uh, and are taking additional <laughs> action to prevent a recurrence. Transport Canada has already mandated aircraft flight manual changes to emphasize the risk of unintentional, un, unintentionally activating the autopilot during the takeoff roll. But the US FAA is imposing an additional requirement after an incident in September in which the crew attempted to re-engage a disconnected autothrottle but mistakenly activated the autopilot, causing the jet to rotate below the V1 decision speed. The control panel uh, for the autothrottle and autopilot engagement is structured in such a way that it is possible for the flight crew to mistakenly engage the autopilot when attempting to re-engage the autothrottle, says the US FAA. Activation of the autopilot is normally prohibited below 400 feet. And the FAA states that the autothrottle is prone to disconnect during turbulence because it sources airspeed information from a different source than the flight control system monitor. 
different sources before uh, pressure altitude between systems can also cause disconnection. Operators have already been instructed by Transport Canada to amend flight manuals to warn an inadvertent autopilot engagement could result in premature rotation, tail strike or inability to climb or loss of control. But the FAA's directive goes further by requiring an additional limitation in the manual, the pro, uh, prohibition of selecting or reselecting the auto throttle once the thrust levers have been advanced for the takeoff setting. Now, this will apply until the aircraft is at least 400 feet above the ground, the threshold for autopilot engagement. Wow. So that's interesting to read, actually. So they're saying that the auto throttle and the autopilot selection controls are very close to each other also um i think that the it's interesting is that the faa has started to get very um keen on uh, on this sort of thing um especially in the light of you know what has happened previously with uh, boeing aircraft specifically the the max and the faa were accused of or boeing were being accused of being in the faa's pocket a little mm -hmm. bit various bits of the press so perhaps they're actually t taking some proactive measures here and it this is these are amongst 38 takeoff incidents it says so uh, so it's significant um so um but you would have thought wouldn't you if there is a possibility of this then this is the sort of stuff that would have come out in people's sim sessions and recurrent training and, and this kind of stuff but um you know in the heat of the moment when you know you're under pressure from atc to get on with it or, or, or whatever it is you know um i think that there's you know some probably some, some argument in there and uh, bill makes a very good point actually um how many pilots will admit that they're prone to premature rotation <laughs> i wonder what he means I, by that i i i i i i have no words i think that's probably can i, the can I point out this this is a family show it is <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> You're not doing it with enough gusto. I'm so sorry. Oh, I know. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm, I'm in no way anywhere as good as you, Matt. I'm uh, family show, ladies and gentlemen. Family Thank show. Thank you. Thank you. That's another 20 quid. <laughs> I know. It's costing us a fortune. Uh, you know, I, look, when, you, when, I, when, I, when I've got the sim set up here and I've got the MCP panel, which I brought, which I have on the sim here, the auto throttle control and, and the autopilot disconnect controls are, are quite a way away from mm. each other. When you look at them on the control panel, you, yeah, it'd be uh, interesting to see, um, interesting to see where where a picture of the control panel on the Bombardier to see how close they are together, because you you would you would initially think that because commonality between airliners is it, I mean I know Airbus and Boeing are both different manufacturers but no. the way that the way they place the things on the flight deck like behind me here on a 757 you know these things if you look at an airbus you know all these particular um kind of style of gauges are in it, or screens are in, are in the same position showing the same information mm. except on an airbus you haven't got this thing here the control yoke but do you see what i mean you know you'd think this you, they would they would have these switches critical switches i might add quite a way apart from each other but i don't know we'll we'll I'll have to look at a picture i'll have to find a picture for the uh, a220 flight deck we did in a2 yeah any a220 pilots listening to the show <laughs> get in contact <laughs> we'll have you on the show uh, like matt oh you cool. have got right, okay. uh, the next story and uh 
this this amused Nev and much muchly. I'll tell you with this one. Right. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, it's uh, yeah. Here we go. Good, uh, good luck, everyone. Uh, Beluga gets stuck in the mud. Is the headline uh, coming from several sources? This travel radar, uh, aerotime.aero, and Av Herald, uh, which I know is one of Carlos's favourite sites uh, for information. And a, a Beluga XL missed a U turn at the end of the runway of Albert uh, Picardy Airport, France, on the 18th of November. The Airbus Beluga XL registration Foxtrot Golf. X-Ray Lima November was operating flight Bravo Golf 127 November from San... I want to say Saint Nazaire Montour Airport? San Jose. Okay, that's so close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> San Nazaire uh, Monte Airport SSNR2 Albert, uh, Albert Picardi Airport and has landed safely at 12.47 on runway 27. According to Av Herald, the A330 Beluga landed on the runway and proceeded to roll to the back area at the end of the runway where it attempted to, take, to make a 180 degree turn after turning about 135 degrees the aircraft's nose and right hand and main gear wheels vid off the paved surface and the cargo only jet uh, became embedded in the mud the plane was eventually moved back onto the runway at 9:15 p.m on sunday the 20th of november unfortunately the recovery period was prolonged by poor weather conditions and the challenges presented by the aircraft's considerable size at 207 feet in length and 62 feet in height yeah, you don't want to uh, damage those too much. There aren't many belugas around. No. Uh, transporting the uh, yeah. Airbus parts to and from. So, uh, yeah, that would be um, awkward, to say the least. Dirk S is saying in the chat room, the show will take a little... Uh, it will take a few minutes longer, ladies and gentlemen, because Matt has to try and pronounce a French airport name. It's a very good point. Thank you, Dirk. Uh, <laughs> you'd have thought... Yes. Oh, oh, yes. We have pictures. Sorry. Yes. That's. Uh, I was too busy worrying about French pronunciations. Here we go. Pronunciations. Uh, pronunciations. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even indulging Sorry. that with a. Hello. Hello. It's. Uh, it's. Okay. Stop it now. Uh, <laughs> Gosh, that, that that's quite that that's quite the rough. Well off the paved surface, isn't it? That's <laughs> not even close. It's gone off a bit there. Yeah, yeah. So, I think somebody's miscalculated the turning circle of this particular vehicle. Um, I mean, I, I, it is a beautiful aircraft. There is something really quite. It does literally look like a whale, doesn't it? I mean, it's just. Well, like, when I've been, uh, in fact, with one of my customers, uh, he um, his office is quite near Harden Airport, uh, near, where the Airbus factory ooh. is. So we quite often have breakfast up there uh, by the airfield and um, go and uh, see these things take off and land. Beautiful, you know, looking aircraft. Ooh, brand very unusual. Uh, but um, no, that's uh, that's going to be a bit of paperwork there, isn't it? I would say. Uh, Richard Adams is saying, Beluga me, that's a mess. It's going to take some serious yeah. uh, uh, you know, work with the, the Karcher pressure washer. I think that, yeah, that wheel's going to take on, some significant um, work, look. I mean, that is, that, is, that is clay right there. Of, co of course, things are always made that much more difficult 
when the ground is not as dry as it was yes, perhaps indeed. three or four months ago. Yes, if it if it was, I mean, I think to be fair, the weight of this aircraft, I don't think it would matter if it hadn't rained for eleven weeks. I think it would still, <laughs> I think it would have still left a bit of an indentation in the in the thing. I'm trying to remember, uh, John. I seem to remember when we went to lose that that um, that we saw that, didn't we? I think one one of these anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, over over at Toulouse. See, I can pronounce uh, Darren, it. Why are they never at these airports where I can pronounce anyway? Like, sorry, <laughs> da- Darren, Darren, live, uh, Darren in the chat room says, "Did they land runway two six? Did you say, Matt? I think it was two uh, two, uh, two seven. seven. Uh, two two seven. seven. They landed. Two yeah. Seven. yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, two, two seven. seven. They landed at twelve forty seven on runway two seven. Uh, and I'm no, I'm not going to say the airport name again. Uh, <laughs> There yeah, I, I, I was I was going to have a go then, but I've just oh, looked at you? it. No, I'm not. Oh, you're just no, no fun. No, no. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> moving moving swiftly on. Oh, he and makes it Nev, so easy, doesn't he? Nev, can you raise your glass to this oh, next story? Well, it's time for some drinking. I'm pleased to say. Oh, so, oh is it? <clears throat> and the, the website oh, is the drinks the drinksbusiness dot com. Diageo uh, launches luxury whiskey studio at Singapore Changi Airport and they've introduced a luxury gifting studio for Johnny Walker Whiskey at the Singapore Changi Airport for the festive season. The new studio based at Terminal 3 will showcase Johnny Walker Blue Label and the fifth release in the series Johnny Walker Blue Label Ghost and rare Port Dundas limited edition from the Glasgow Ghost Distillery of Port Dundas. Uh, According to the drinks giant, the new installation will primarily be focused on Johnny Walker's luxury gifting accessories, including gift bags and personalised luggage tags. Additionally, to boost brand exposure, Changi Rewards and iShop Changi members will also be able to walk away with a free Johnny Walker blue duffel bag with any purchase of Johnny Walker Blue Label. The new Elusive Expressions Special Releases Scotch Whiskey Collection will also be available in the studio along with gift offerings from Baileys and Tanqueray for the first time in APAC travel retail, including chocolate truffles and Tanqueray jellies. Uh, the new Johnny Walker Blue Label Ghost and Rare Port Dundas Gifting Studio, which will be located in the departure lounge of Terminal 3 of Changi Airport, will only be available until the 31st of December. So get over there, sharpish. Sounds great, doesn't it? It certainly does. Really I mean, this, ju- this just adds more fuel to our passenger um, excitement. Stores. So should I go over there and do a recce as well? Oh, I think so. Oh, yeah, yeah. we'll yeah, sort that. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Absolutely. it's Malaga. Yeah, we'll start, start and... with Malaga, then we'll go to Singapore after right, that. Right, OK. Yeah. Um, we'll, I don't think we'll, you have we'll time for work anymore, Nev, I'm afraid. Sorry, uh, all no. these flights you need to make. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Amazing. But uh, no, it sounds uh, great, doesn't it? Great initiative. No, Nev, you've got a, a Jersey story next, haven't you? Yes, a bit of a part two, actually, to the st- a story we ran, ran last week. Uh, our good friend that we met on the flight going to the air show, John Falk, um, we spoke about his father and grandfather mm. flight last week. Um, but he also uh, was talking about um, one of the other really important things uh, on the island there, which was the final call to save Jersey's historic de Havilland. Harren 
uh, sorry, Heron, uh, an 11th hour call to help safeguard the future of a historic island aircraft has been issued by the man who saved it from the scrap heap. Matt Palmer uh, bought the de Havilland Heron, which used to fly between the Channel Islands, the UK and continental Europe for just a pound after the company that previously owned it went into liquidation. Uh, Mr Palmer, who leaves the, uh, leads the government's cyber emergency response team, stepped up to buy the aircraft last year when it became clear no one else was prepared to save the propeller-driven uh, passenger plane from the scrapyard. Uh, since then, he's been searching for ways to keep the Duchess of Brittany, which first took off in the 1950s in the island as a static exhibit, as a visitor attraction and for educational purposes. He said that the prospect of getting the Cold War era aircraft flying again had been considered, but a combination of regulatory hurdles and running costs had ruled that option out. But part of the challenge is because we are on an island and access to things like hangarage and engineering services are limited, he said. Uh, whereas if you're in the mainland UK or France, you would have more access to classic aviation services. That's very true, actually. Uh, the Heron had been located at the airport on a section of tarmac without cover since 2019, but Mr Palmer said its future was by no means certain. The challenge is, even with a decommissioned aircraft, we need space, and at the moment we have no viable location in Jersey. We want to create a future for it, so we need to ensure protection, and that means some form of coverage. Ideally, I would like to be able to do that here and keep her in Jersey because of the uh, heritage story that she tells, but I've not been able to locate, locate a place to do that, he said. Uh, Mr Palmer explained that as an alternative solution, he was also in discussions with UK aviation charities and museums that had expressed an interest in the aircraft. Of course, what that would mean is that she would cease to be available in terms of a heritage and educational opportunity for Jersey, and we would lose a little bit of our island history forever. However, it would preserve the aircraft and would still tell the story of that period in aviation. He added that this winter could be the last opportunity to find a plane find the plane a permanent home in the island and he was also writing to organizations including Jersey Heritage and the Pallet Steam Motor and General Museum to see if they could help this is the final call and we are looking at due diligence processes for the UK options he said if there are no opportunities this side of winter i would expect they'll be looking at relocating her off the island next year this needs to be her last year exposed and uncovered in Jersey, he said, but there is still a risk she could end up being scrapped, but hopefully that is unlikely. Well, that's um, a fascinating story, John. Thanks very much indeed for drawing our attention to it. And I really do hope that the um, they can keep the aircraft in Jersey. I think that that's where it belongs, really, but it's just down to funding. And uh, as Carlos and I saw when we went uh, airside in Jersey and actually on the main airport, the apron area itself, there's very limited space there uh, and also in other parts of the island as well. So let, let's hope they can find a solution and we'll definitely come back to that story uh, when we have some more information on it. John, perhaps you'll keep us updated if you hear any more. Mm, absolutely. It's so a It's a fascinating little aircraft, isn't it? So going back to our Malaga story earlier, team. Uh oh. So I've done some research. We're at, we're, oh, we're no. going to send Nev to Malaga. Are obviously, we? we want him to experience, you know, the the biometric thing. Right. Um, now I've looked at BA flights. Uh, we thing. we we could get Nev in with BA 
to Malaga um, for just for the day. Go there and then fly back same day. Uh, £622 in business class with, with right. BA. Okay. Um, May need a bit could, of a whip round then. <laughs> or we could send Nev to Malaga with EasyJet for no. £105. That's not going to happen. <laughs> one way. Uh, but I've decided that we're going to send Nev to Malaga with Ryanair no, for not. £48.48 pence return. Go! <laughs> Uh, can I point out a number of things that are wrong with that <laughs> Okay, here we go. Uh, <clears throat> I, I don't need to, do I, really? You know what the answer is. Uh, <laughs> so I have to go BA because I've got to test the biometric stuff. Yeah, oh. good point. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to redo that flight with the economy version then, I think. Uh, I don't know business. what that is. Sorry. Okay, yeah. right. We'll, we'll scrap the idea. Unfortunately, we can't send Nev to Malaga. Well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll tell you what I'll do. I've got um, <laughs> quite a large number of points at the moment, so I'll have a look at it, <laughs> doing it that way. And let's see if I can get in, get into their trial thing and see if they'll let right. me have a go. Okay. Oh, my well, word. Well, only if you get into Watch the this trial. space. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Could be a disaster. It obviously. could. It could absolutely be a disaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Stuart Aslett puts in the chat room, who's Ryanair? Good point. Good who's point. Ryan well Air? made. Yeah. We, we know someone who used to work for them. He he didn't seem to mind it too much. No. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, enough, enough of this tomfoolery. Uh, Nev, what is coming yes. up next on the show? Yes. Well, as you know, we've been uh, running this fantastic series uh, called... Uh, Nat Boys. It's a three-part series that uh, our good friend uh, Nick Anderson uh, has done uh, for us and he's interviewed Rick Peacock Edwards and we'll be giving away a signed copy of this book at the end of the third part which will be uh, next week. So I thought you would like to s uh, see and listen to uh, the second part which Matt's uh, going to play out now for us. So the net size meant that there were some pretty ingenious devices fitted in there to make it all work in such a small space. Now, your cohort, Tom Eels, talks about the infamous Hobson unit and Frank Foster, uh, who I remember well, sat uh, behind me for many a flight, mentions Cam K, the bane of many a student's life. Now, Perhaps you could explain those to the audience. Oh, well, I have to tell you, I'm not going to get into a <laughs> lesson here on the, on the, on the Cam K and the Q gearing and the Hobson unit. Uh, I would like far rather sort of give you, because I'd only probably get myself tied up all these years later. How many years? 35, 40 years later? Uh, what I will say was it, the control systems were, were, were very complex. And part of that was due to the fact that um, when the Nat was converted from a single-seat fighter into a two-seat trainer, it was extended. That, of course, affected the CFG and things like that. And, um, and it had an interesting uh, controls down the back end. You know, it had a, an all-flying tailplate, basically. Um, the elevators were sort of locked to the tailplate, but you could unlock the elevators. And, and it's all related to, to that. It's, it's related to what speed you're flying at, um, what happens, Cam K, for example, in particular, has a, a definite relationship with the speed of the aircraft. Um, uh, but the gearing and the datum shift as well, when you put the undercarriage down, for example, it, 
the whole system, it's, it's looking after you. It's looking after you when you're flying it. But if things go wrong, it can screw you as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, you didn't fall into my trap. What a shame. Um, I, I have a few things in mind uh, particular to the NAT. Now, perhaps you could just talk about them a little bit, uh, and you might have some of your own. Now, the ejector seat knob, that was a fascinating concept. It was. Um, I, I liked the pollen seat. I actually, you know, I've spent my life sitting on Martin Baker seats where you pull the pins out from down there, up there. But I really found the nap very simple. You know, just having that thing behind your neck, if it, if, if it, was, if it was live, it stuck into your neck. But it was very simple just to move it uh, around. Um, the seat was lightweight. Um, the size of the person sitting on the seat was very important. And for example, that's why we, those who were too big to fly the NAT were moved onto the Hunter, um, because um, if you if you if your thigh length was too long for the seat, when you ejected, you'd probably break your thighs. And well, like any any ejector seat, the back length is really critical as well. All our, but um, I, I I enjoyed the NAT seat, and it was a it was a good seat too. It it worked. That um, we did have people fly the NAT. Quite, and it's reflected in the book, people who, quite frankly, were very large people <laughs> who probably knew that they shouldn't be flying the NAT because um, somehow they'd, they'd avoided the anthropometric um, <laughs> people uh, and were flying it. But I know that there's at least one instructor mentioned in the book who sort of said, you know, hmm, if, if, I, if I was ever going to have to eject, I think I was probably going to land it yes, <laughs> somewhere. I, I think that's quite right. Yeah, at uh, over six foot two and a half, then uh, I had to spend a special day sitting in the net in all my gear with a doctor uh, and a tape measure, making sure that I, in theory, wouldn't leave my legs behind. I, I found I found the net really very comfortable. I mean, you know, it was a, I was half the size then than, than I am now. I probably certainly wouldn't get into it now. Um, but um, I found it an absolute delight. I mean. Again, it comes out in the book. You you don't you you, you put the net on almost. It's it's so such a small aircraft, and you walk up to it and just climb into it and put it on, and Absolutely. off you go. And when yeah. you when you when you take when you run rolling down the runway, you are only just above the runway itself. Your seat is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the undercarriage air brake system that was fascinating. Yeah, I liked it. Again, I found it very effective. Um, it was one way of cutting down weight um, on the on the aircraft, um, uh, and I thought it was really good. I could see personally, I could see no negatives uh, about it, um, but there were. We did have one or two um, occasions when the student, or even the instructor, had landed, thought he'd had the undercarriage down, obviously hadn't checked three greens properly but it actually landed on the air brake. Right. Perhaps you could explain to the audience who might not be familiar what that system was. It was the, the undercarriage. Well, when you put the undercarriage down, two main wheels, one nose wheel, down it comes, and you go from three reds, says it's on its way down, and when you've got three greens, you know the undercarriage is stuck down and you can land. But the air brake was a part of the undercarriage, the undercarriage doors in front of the, the, the main wheels. Um, 
And when you're flying normally, you just you just operate the the air brakes, stick the air brakes out, and the um, the undercarriage. The, all that would happen would be the doors would open, and and that was your air brake. Um, and very clever, really. It was very clever. Yeah. But the main reason for that was weight saving. Hmm. Absolutely. The canopy was huge on it, wasn't it? Okay. Loved the canopy. It was so, so nice to sit in an aircraft with a huge canopy where the, the, the lookout was fantastic. The visibility, you know, the view, it was, I mean, we've all flown our later aircraft, the Phantom, for example. We used to look at F-16s and F-15s. Oh, and, and, and jealousy. And, and, <laughs> and the, the canopy in those aircraft, I think, if only. <laughs> mm, absolutely, yeah. Uh, the slipper tanks were an interesting thing, and we always seem to be short of fuel in the net. I, I, that's interesting. I've heard that comment. I, I, yes, I thought, you, but you were moving around the sky pretty quickly, mm. and you could do a lot in, in, a, in a 50 minute. I think our average sortie length was about 50 minutes. If we were doing Navix, it's high, low, high. You, got, you can get one hour five out of it, about that. But you could, I used to find that was sufficient time to do what you you want to do. I mean, high, low, high, no exits. We could go right way up to uh, north of Scotland, come down, low level, back up, high, get in. We're traveling a lot of the time at 420 knots at low level or map point turn nine or round about that area at, at high level. So you're shifting around the sky. Yes. It, um, for those of, us who, those of us who went on to Lightnings know a lot more about <laughs> fuel than, <laughs> than that. Um, the slipper tanks, yeah, if you didn't have a slipper tanks on, uh, then you've got very short-range aircraft. Mm. Um, and the slipper tanks, there's, I've got a little story in, in, in Nat Boys about the slipper tanks. When I was doing a photographic uh, um, task, with one of the national newspapers. And um, I got a, uh, one of my slipper tanks uh, showed that it wasn't feeding properly. So I hung around probably just a little bit too long. And um, if, you'd, if a slipper tank didn't feed, for example, then you had to get the aircraft back on the runway, back on the ground, before the fuel level got down to a certain figure. Because you ran out of lateral you control. You ran out of lateral otherwise. control. Yeah, yeah. All I'll say is that on the final approach to uh, <laughs> landing at, at Valley, and I was right on the limit. Wow. I could tell exactly why that limit was there because I was fast running out of, out of control. Wow. Absolutely. Golly. Uh, the narrow wheelbase we've mentioned, but it, I mean, it was always easy to tell who was a new student on a nap just by the way they duck waddled down the runway yeah. of takeoff and landing. But uh, once you got the hang of it, it was it was a pretty good system. It worked. And the, and, the, and the students um, coped with it admirably, mm. yes. Um, one or two didn't, and one or two, unfortunately, fell by the wayside. And I was always sad to see um, students go. And that was never my, my aim. I always said, in fact, that uh, any students that I have will be the best on the course. I quickly learned, actually, that that was not going to be the case, because um, you do learn that uh, each student has a different amount of ability. So I changed my, my view on, on that one. But um, not too many failed because they couldn't fly the aircraft. Most, most, most not too many didn't go solo. Um, That's true. It was mainly a factor of keeping up with the airplane when yeah. you started doing more. And, you know, I think an, an example of how they cope on the runway, I mean, obviously the students, when they're flying solo, 
you know, they, they had different limits from the instructors. Um, but we used to f formations, for example, we're always three ships, and when you've got, so you've got a student on e each wing um, taking off down the runway very competently, you know, and that is always an example of me, how quickly, how quickly they settle down in this and they grow to love it. Oh, I, I certainly did. Um, Fuse 13, <laughs> that was always a bit of a joke. There are a lot of myths attached to it as well. What was it then? Fuse 13, sort of, well, the Nat had a fantastic rate of roll, as you will remember. Um, Fuse 13 sort of restricted the rate of roll. Um, now, there were, I, I know that the Red Arrows uh, at, uh, at one stage did sort of um, fly without Fuse 13. Um, they inhibited Fuse 13, and that increased their rate of roll. There was, now all this changed basically, there was one, there was one uh, particular sort of uh, display pilot who uh, had also um, removed Fuse 13. And uh, very unfortunately, in a roll sort of at an airfield, um, I forget where it was, but the fin came off. Oh Lord, yes. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I think that's one, the rate of roll was really fast. Um, but I think sort of when, unfortunately, there was that unfortunate accident when the fin came off, really woke people up. Mm. Yeah. Now, returning from a low-level sortie, often concluded by coming back to Valley down the A5 pass, that, and that narrow gap at the inn end yep. over Clearnogwen. Yep. It was an immensely exhilarating thing to do. Could you perhaps describe it for us? Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I quite frankly, the low flying we did was, was just brilliant. We did a lot of it. Uh, in all, all its forms and, and Wales was a perfect low-flying area and there were plenty of valleys and things over Wales and lakes and things but the A5 pass was as you say it was special as I'm talking to you now I can visualize it sort of coming coming down coming navigating your way about finding Lake Ogwin down over Lake Ogwin at uh, 360 knots or whatever speed you were at and then and then the real exhilarating bit was at the end where uh, you knew that it was going to go right and it was going to go down into a valley and you could come down there and really suddenly you, you overbanked and down into the valley like that. It was just an exhilarating experience. It was. Uh, heart stopping the first time you did it as you rolled close to inverted and pulled down to what you thought might be rock. In fact, to find that the valley suddenly blossomed and opened in front of you and you were flying into clear and safe and below the level of the road that used to go around. That, that's exactly right, <laughs> below the level of the road. So it was very, you know, for those, and anybody driving down the road when, when um, the gnats were flying, uh, you used to regularly see sort of um, aircraft going down there. And in fact, to this day, there are all sorts of aircraft. It's, I, think, I seem to remember when I was instructing in Valley, it was very much sort of, it was our territory, um, but it, it's, it's much better known, it became much better known as, as time went on. Absolutely, yeah.
Discover the pioneers of speed and adventure at one of the UK's most iconic museums. Whether it's a tour of the legendary Concorde, a walk around the Brooklyn's aircraft factory, or maybe a behind-the-scenes look at the McLaren automotive cars, the Brooklyn's Museum has it all. Based at Weybridge in Surrey, it's the perfect day out for all the family. We can also host your private function or meeting in one of our amazing event suites. With so much to see and do, come and take a look at Great Britain's history of speed and flight. Find out more by going to www www.brooklandsmuseum.com or give us a call on 01932 857 381 that's 01932 857 381 wow he, he certainly knows his stuff honestly it's a joy to listen to those two gentlemen isn't it rick and nick talking as though they're in a pub, just having a chat about the old days and all the rest of it. I, I love listening to them. Uh, that's why I do these series, actually. Um, it's uh, always great when the interviewee feels so comfortable uh, because they're talking with Nick uh, and uh, mm. Nick's got a nice knack of, of getting the right to answers from the questions he asks. But uh, great stuff. Last part is next week and we will do a competition, as I said, and we will be uh, doing a, a competition for the book uh, which rick has very kindly signed for us as well so don't forget to listen out on next week's show to have that chance of winning that book is it a hardback book as well uh nev it is yes yep, yeah absolutely yeah very good very good uh so it's time uh well, it's that time of the show again we've got the caption this competition coming up very soon uh but it's time uh, for the military news i know armando's not here uh, this week um but we have got some military news obviously nev's been itching to get to this part of the show so <laughs> we better move on because we don't want to upset nev so hit the button matt Black up buggies one three five fifty angel sixteen three four zero okay So the first story this week in the military comes from gov.uk, bbc.com, expatguideturkey.com, website we always use every week, and aerotime.aero. And uh, it must be hard. Must be Things are getting tough for the RAF because they're moving to using cooking oil to power things. So the military flight powered by cooking oil has taken place in the UK for the first time. The RAF Voyager, the military equivalent of the A330, took off and landed from RAF Bryce Norton in Oxfordshire on Wednesday this week. The Royal Air Force hopes sustainable aviation fuels will help it reach its net zero goal by 2040 and reduce its reliance on global supply chains. Defence Minister Baroness Goldie said it was a breakthrough moment. The 90-minute flight over Oxfordshire was also the first time the military aircraft of such size has used a fully sustainable fuel, which was supplied by Air BP. Wednesday's flight was flown by a combined RAF Rolls-Royce, an Airbus flight test crew who replicated an air-to-air refueling sortie as it was witnessed by senior RAF and industry representatives. Uh, the chief of the air staff, Air Marshal, or Air Chief Marshal, Sir Mike Wigston, said climate change is a transnational challenge and threatens our resilience, our security 
and our collective prosperity. That's why we have set the RAF the ambitious challenge of becoming the world's first net zero air force by 2040. I thought it smelled like a bit of a fish and chip shop when it flew over my house the other day. That's probably why. Yeah, they, they obviously spilt some, Nev, yeah. while, whilst they were, you know... Reviewing. There's a coach company near us, Carlos, that used to... Well, actually, they're not going anymore, um, that used to do exactly that. Not the one I used to work for, I should stress. Um, but there was um, one based um, in sorry to interrupt you. Man. No, 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 do. Uh, Mars Kareem, <laughs> uh, Kareem has come up with the fantastic little punnet uh, <laughs> saying that nice. the aircraft flew out of Fry's Norton. Honestly, not, not, not just a doctor, hey? I mean, skills. Uh, <laughs> and Richard Adams <laughs> says, pity they've retired their chipmunks. Oh. oh it's comedy. It's almost, you can't beat it, can you? It's, can't almost, it. it's almost painful. You, why not keep them coming, hey? What could possibly go wrong? Uh, <laughs> I mean, wow. Uh, love it, love it. I do love a good pun. I do love a good pun. We don't get enough puns these days, do we? Honestly, whatever next. It'd be interesting, <laughs> interesting to actually. I, I, I just want to go there and stand near one and have a good sniff and see what it does smell like. Does it smell like chips? You need to be very careful where you're going with that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, once again, a family show, ladies and gentlemen. Family. Now show. you can't tell me you haven't been you haven't filled up uh, an unleaded car and thought, oh, that's quite a nice smell. Or Avgas. <laughs> Everyone on who listens to I'd this like- show. Unleaded the smell of Avgas. Unleaded fuel, yes, I agree with you. There is a unique that that smell at the airport <laughs> is very unique. I do like that yes. smell. I have never once filled up my diesel car and thought, hmm. Usually, to be honest, oh, no. with you, the smell of diesel makes me feel quite sick. If I'm honest, oh, it? yeah. it's a it's yeah. a funny old smell, isn't it? Yes, indeed. Anyway, moving on to the next story, Matt. You've got this oh, well, one, we- and uh, well, I'm sorry, you have yes. <laughs> It's what our, it's what our producer John has said. Oh right, okay, fair enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, what what was Richard Adams saying there? Sorry, before. We oh, move sorry. On? Uh, uh, better get Rick- Frying Officer Nick to do the interview. Oh, oh so, I, no. I, I really shouldn't have bothered. I do apologise. Uh, we'll move on. Story two. USAF. I just hope, I just hope they no, don't I'm have any annoyed. chips in their windscreen. Literally no words. <laughs> Literally no words. Anyway, the sites, the, the, the sources available for this particular story, flightglobal.com and fr24.com. USAF KC-46A completes record-breaking 36-hour endurance flight. Hang on a minute. A KC-46A was in the air? <laughs> My goodness yeah, me. They, they... This, is, this is like, this is, I, I feel this is a victory. Like, you know, anyway, sorry, uh, the US Air Force uh, crew flying a Boeing KC-46A Pegasus aerial refueler has completed a record-setting 36-hour endurance flight. God, you'll be telling me next that they actually gave some fuel to another aircraft successfully without any problems. Uh, (laughs) The United States Air Force Air Mobility Command, AMC, said on the 18th of November, the crew flew a 14,000 nautical mile, that's 25,928-kilometre non-stop endurance flight on the 16th and 17th of November. The AMC oversees the USAF contribution to global US military logistics, including air cargo and air refuelling. The KC-46, a derivative of the Boeing 767, departed the US east coast city of Portsmouth, New Hampshire, flew west across North America to Hawaii, circled the central Pacific island of Guam and uh, returned to Portsmouth. 
The Air Mobility Command says the flight, which left Portsmouth with the call sign PAC-93, many questions there, according to Flight Tracking Service Flight Radar 24, was the command's longest mission to date. The United States Air Force is among the military services seeking to adapt standard procedures for a potential conflict in the Indo-Pacific region, which is expected to require operating over vast distances with minimal support. Military planners also expect such a scenario would feature persistent jamming of GPS and communications. We have to take a sharp departure from what we've grown used to over the last 30 years. Uh, It was said in September at an Air and Space Forces Association, AFA, conference in Washington, D.C. During PAC-93's 14,000 nautical mile journey, it received fuel three times from another KC-46 and offloaded fuel to multiple Lockheed Martin F-22 Raptor fighters. The AMC KC-46A cross-functional team lead, uh, the Lieutenant Colonel Joshua Renfro, notes this is the third consecutive success for the KC-46 missions lasting 20 hours or more. The type previously completed 22 hours and 24 hour endurance missions. I mean, wow, three times. This is very exciting. Uh, yeah, and not not only that, but it was also offloading fuel to F twenty two Raptors. I think that's a that's quite a successful mission, isn't it? Well, it, it's the uh, uh, the best they've done so far. I think. Right. Yeah. yeah okay. From what I understand. <laughs> yes. Glass half full again, Nev. Come on. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I know military's not your favourite. <laughs> No, but is it, is it, at least this is a subject that we all know something about now. Well, yes, it? quite. Because it's come up not quite every week, yes. but a lot of the time. Yeah. Yes, I mean, the KC, uh, yes, the KC-46, something that uh, even I know what it is, yeah. uh, which is a worrying state of affairs, isn't it? it it's worth it's worth noting, and, and Neville will agree on this, don't bear in mind the KC-46 is based on essentially the 767 which wasn't a bad aircraft to be fair nev no not at all it's one of the most popular why before the triple seven came out the 76 was the you know one of the greatest uh wide-bodied airliners that um boeing had uh, produced so yeah quite long range too actually Mm. Uh, used on some very long routes too yeah so nev you've got the last one and uh it's, it's all about the f-16 Yes, uh, this is thanks to the AviationGeekClub.com, uh, AirAndSpaceForces.com, and AirDataNews.com. And uh, it says that uh, after a hiatus of about four years, Lockheed Martin has completed his assembly of a new F-16 fighting Falker falcon fighter that's quite difficult (laughs) in preparation for the first flight in early 2023 uh, the first f16 viper of the block 7072 configuration has rolled out of lockheed martin's grenville south carolina uh, uh, plant after having completed final assembly and checkout and painting there on the, uh, the 21st of November, Air and Space Forces magazine reports. Uh, the factory is geared up to build at least 128 more of the jets through the end of the decade. Uh, the aircraft is uh, destined for Bahrain, should be accepted by the US government early in 2023. It will undergo, undergo flight testing at Ed- Edwards uh, Air Force Base in California before it's delivered under the Foreign Military Sales Program. According to Lockheed 
Martin. Five countries are on contract for the Block 7072, and that's Bahrain, Slovakia, Bulgaria, Taiwan, and one other, it says. Jordan has also signed a letter of offer and acceptance for eight aircraft. When awarded, that contract will bring, bring the backlog to 136 aircraft. Bulgaria has also begun the process of buying additional aircraft. A Lockheed Martin spokesman said that Grenville, sorry, Greenville has multiple other jets in various stages of work. Uh, a company spokesman said that uh, also added that uh, the rate of work on Block 70s under construction at Greenville will increase significantly in the fiscal year 2023, uh, building to a production rate of up to four aircraft per month. According to Air Force magazine, Slovakia is planning to acquire 70 Block 7072 F-16s, and that country has offered to give a dozen of its retiring MiG-29 aircraft to Ukraine. However, sources have reported that Ukraine has sought to buy F-16s of its own uh, there's been a discussion of providing F-16s from US stocks to Ukraine, but no firm plans have yet been announced. Uh, in January, Lockheed Martin got an indefinite delivery, indefinite quant uh, quantity contract worth up to $64.3 billion for new production of new F-16s for M uh, FMS customers, as well as upgrades of 405 jets in foreign hands to the F-16V configuration, uh, if all potential work materialises. The US Air Force indicated last year that according to its 4 plus 1 fighter roadmap, it plans to keep flying the F-16 well into the 2030s, assuring potential buyers of a strong pipeline for parts and support into the next de decade. Uh, as already reported, the US Air Force has decided to modify 608, uh, sorry, 608 Block 40 and 50 jets to that standard in one of the largest modernization efforts in the US Air Force's history. 608 F-16s comprised of Block 40 and 50 will undergo up to 22 modifications designed to improve lethality and to ensure that the fourth generation fighter remains effective in meeting current and future threats. The service has also apparently dropped plans for an, X, uh, an F-16 uh, replacement. So there we go. Lots of uh, work there. That's a, a lot of money, isn't it? 64.3 billion US dollars. So basically what they've done then, they've, they've um, installed, you know, air conditioning, electric windows in these new f <laughs> And the heat through window, yes. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Very important, obviously. That's good. Must be yeah. done. <laughs> and, and central locking yeah. as well. Well, yeah. quite. Indeed. Love it. Uh, Jonathan Warner saying, I'd love to see the differences between the new Block 7072 compared to the original A model. Oh, I would as well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why is there a picture of a KC-46 on the uh, uh, it's screen? Cause, it's because, uh, yeah, sorry. That's my, that's Mr. Warner. Uh, is, it's a very was, nice picture. Yeah, 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 sorry. It's got nothing to do with that. Ignore me. Sorry. It was for the story before. It's, well, it's good. I, I'm, I'm having I'm a quite... few technical problems in the studio. Myself oh, and Mr. Thought... Warner were playing the game. No, I thought we... you were going to say that Jonathan Warner is not able to identify military aircraft. No, no. No, 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 no. No, 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 Abort, abort, abort. Move on. Quick, next story. Jonathan Warner's got about 1096 million trillion gigs worth of... Yeah. Pictures yeah. that uh, say it otherwise. Yeah. Yes, indeed, yeah. indeed. He he knows his stuff. Yes. He does, yeah. Uh, hello to Jenny in Rome, by the way, who's uh, just joined us in the chat room. Hello, Jenny. Just yes. In, just in just time. In time. Just yeah. in time. Uh, 
So it's uh, that's it for the military, by the way. Um, Armando will hopefully, fingers crossed, be back next week to bring us some uh, some proper military news. But we have got a very special announcement to make at the end of the show about grey stuff. So who, so did, who did the grey stuff today then? Because you've, you've clearly just been very rude to them. <laughs> no, no idea. No idea. Okay. John, John's sitting there smiling. Right, okay. <laughs> ah, Fair enough. I can see him. Yeah, all right. Yes. All right. Yeah. I can say that's a bit brutal, isn't it? Yeah, what a lovely, what a lovely man you well, are. Well, did, didn't you notice that the stories had less acronyms and stuff in to make things harder for us? That was... Right. Okay. Because you know, normally when, I, when I'm on... Yes, oh, I good know. point. We yes, John is saying we... That we also don't have someone to explain them, which is fair enough. Exactly. Exactly. There we go. Uh, right. Okay. That's uh, the, that's the one from the last. Are, story. are you all right, Matt? No. <laughs> okay. There's, there's random pictures coming up on the screen now. Isn't it? Well, Mr. Warner keeps sending them to me, so I mean, anything could happen. Anyway, <laughs> that's a nice F F16 on the screen, by the way. Good. Very well, that was to do with the last story, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Right. Okay. Very good. <laughs> anyway, than never. It, it is that time of the show again where we have our caption this just for fun. Now, it's safe to say that when I put the picture up this week of our caption this, it did spark quite the interest within our community on Facebook. So for those of you who don't know, every Wednesday-ish, uh, we put a picture on Facebook, a random aviation funny picture um for you to comment on and we kind of go through the comments and pick the ones that we can say on on air um obviously it's a family show as matt knows um <laughs> and uh I, this week I, the picture i chose was kind of for two reasons one it's an aviation related picture obviously but the other one was because matt does love his star wars right so, uh, Matt, if you'd like to pop up the picture uh, for captioning this this week on the screen for our YouTube viewers to see, so they can see what the picture is. <laughs> Matt's just having some oxygen on the flight deck. Me, He's yeah, fine. Absolutely. No, it's because I'm on the 757 and it's trying to kill me. So... Uh, <laughs> We had we had some we had some interesting uh, comments in. I'll, I'll kick off with uh, this first one from John. Uh, says father teaches cheeky up upstart pilot son the effects of the dark forces around negative G. If they don't <laughs> obey the seatbelt sign. Oh, actually, we, the next one? we did a story about that, didn't we? Where people weren't. Yeah, Nev, you want the next one with Jack. Yeah, I'm not going to do the uh, the voice here, uh, but uh, Jack says, I find your lack of compliance to the seatbelt <laughs> sign disturbing. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Uh, Stephen, do you want to do Stephen, Matt? Or do you want me, or do you want me to... Uh, I'll try. Yes, I can. Yes, actually. Uh, uh, you've, pa oh, you, you've passed your last fart, Commander. <laughs> uh, Stephen also says... Say Airbus is better than Boeing one more time, I dare you. <laughs> True. Uh, Michael yeah. says, uh, come fly the friendly skies with United. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ben is saying, I find you... Yes, I find your lack of faith in our economy product disturbing. Uh, Stephen... Oh, this is my favourite. When this popped up, it did make me chuckle. Uh, Stephen <laughs> says... 
Nev reacts to a fellow passenger having sat in seat right. right. Yes, yeah, that does look like something you do. Very did. good. Mm. Very good, Stephen. Uh, ben says, but Lord Vader, you said I could have the window seat. <laughs> <laughs> Acme Airlines gets creative with problem passengers who refuse to wear a mask. Don't they know DV has, or Darth Vader has an underlying health concern? <laughs> And David, David, this is good. This is, this is good, David. Uh, what do you mean I can't stream PTUK live? <laughs> mm. uh, Mike says, I'm sorry, Mr. Vader. You'll have to uh, check him in. I'm afraid he won't fit into the overhead bin. <laughs> I quite like that. Uh, this is, uh, uh, Jason's got a great idea here. He's, he's suggesting this may be Jet 2's new onboard security. Now that I'd like to see. Uh, <laughs> Gary says, uh, stop drinking and making a bloomin' nuisance of yourself. <laughs> Very good. I'm going to ask somebody else to do this one because it says in your best okay. Darth Vader voice. Yes, <laughs> I, I, I must admit, I'm not very good at a James Earl Jones, impre Jones impression, but uh, it says, uh, Darth uh, Stewart saying, these in-flight entertainment screens are the old, are as old as the movie costume. It's time you learned the power of our satellite-linked Wi-Fi. Nev gone with James. Uh, James says, uh, "Now take your seat, or you go in the overhead bin. Your choice." <laughs> and uh, to finish off, Lee says, "Put on your blinking mask." Well, quite yes. Uh, we, 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 we've had a few in the chat room. Oh, have um, we? Oh, okay. All right, go on. Yeah. Oh, my word. <laughs> uh, we start with Mazus. Mazus says, the Ryanair version of facial <laughs> recognition. <laughs> Quite like that one. Yes, that, I think I think that's my favourite. Yes, go on, oh, that's my favourite so far. Uh, <laughs> I like that. Uh, Micah, Micah yeah. says, can't you see the no smoking sign? <laughs> Very good. Very good. Richard Adams says, you left your lightsaber in the locker? <laughs> That's a silly idea. Uh... <laughs> Man Man Micah says, she said, put your electronic devices, or put away your electronic devices. Well, quite. Uh, Richard Adams says, you dare ask for 1A when Nev is on board? <laughs> well, I think, that's, I think that's good, yes. Yeah. Uh, Main Man Micah says again, this is the last time I will ask you not to recline your seat. And that is a <laughs> bass blooming yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like I'll that. give you that. Yeah, that's the and, future. And to, and to top that one, we've all had this before, Micah says, I told you to stop kicking my seat. <laughs> I've never had that. that. I've never had somebody kicking my fleet. And uh, last one from Richard Adams <laughs> says, may the farce be with you. Right. Okay. Very good. Very good. Very good. I so think, thank you yes, to everyone who contributed. Yes, yeah, very good. Thanks to everyone who contributed. Don't forget to keep your eyes. If you don't already follow us on Facebook, uh, check us out on Facebook. Details at the end of the show. And we'll post another picture next week uh, for you all to leave your humorous comments on. So okay. there we go. Uh, oh, oh we yes. Didn't, we didn't actually. Oh, sorry. Did we? <laughs> 
for the benefit, yeah. Well, we, Matt needs to do this one because Matt is a Star Wars person here. So, oh, Matt, right, okay. benefit of our audio listeners, the picture was of. So, if my memory serves, this is actually from The Empire Strikes Back. This particular scene, and it's Darth Vader who's got. Oh no, it might be from the first one. Anyway, it's from either the first or second film. Darth Vader has got hold of someone who has displeased him, shall we say, in an in a compromised position, uh, and it looks like. Well, I, I, I'm trying to. Dis- can, can anybody identify the airline? From the from well, the livery. All, all, all I'm going to say is, I think Neville agree with me here. Those TFT displays look a bit <laughs> dated. Yeah, that, it's also an economy section. Right. Not, not oh. an area of the aircraft I'm familiar with. <laughs> okay. Uh, yes, but it's a very famous scene from Star Wars, basically, that's been superimposed into the economy section of an unidentified um, aircraft. <laughs> yes, okay. and Mr. Vader is holding up the yes. said chap. Um, in with his hand up in the air, you know, holding him up in the air, yeah, trying to yeah. do nasty things to it. Anyway, so yes, that will be more more on that next week. More uh, more of that stuff next week. Uh, so before we uh, wrap up and 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 uh, the social media links and other stuff like that, we have an announcement to make. It's finally here. The time is here for everyone who loves the military segment of the show. We can confirm. That as of now, if you go to our website, allawsplaintalkinguk.com, you can now purchase your very own military mug from our store. Uh, they're on there to buy. Uh, on the screen, for those of you watching on YouTube, you'll see the mugs are on the screen there. Armando has actually test, well, test drunk yes, from one of yes. these mugs. And he, he confirms that they are of a very high quality and high standard of mugging. Uh, mug, okay. even. Um, <laughs> well, so, there we are. Yes, absolutely. Very high standard of mugging, everyone. Very mugging. good. Lovely. Okay. So, uh, so, yes. And get, on that uh, bombshell, it's time to end. <laughs> and Mazus has made a very good comment in the chat room saying, that's Nev's Christmas present sorted. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, everybody send him one. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> I have this vision now of um, of the uh, of the uh, the parcel force driver turning up <laughs> on Christmas Eve with a van load of grey mm. mugs. Yeah, I think that's the future. I think that's the way forward. Yeah, I'll have to use it on the show just for you know the shame of it. <laughs> oh, but I think actually, having said all that, joking apart, they are extremely high quality. These mugs, aren't mm. they? As well. Yeah, uh, indeed, so, yes, uh, and and thanks to John, obviously, because uh, he's done all the artwork on this one. I, I'm my favourite bit, but other other than have we ever have we have we ever named Mac or whatever he's called? It was Mac, wasn't it? He is called yeah, it's Mac. Mac. Okay, he's right. Mac. Okay, he's, he's called, called Mac. Mac. Okay, all right. Yeah. So, yeah, other than Mac, who is pretty cool, and obviously when you see the video thing, he, he even flies. I mean, that's how cool he is. But I must admit, I am loving the uh, US-UK flag um, in the in the middle there between the, the, the two. That, that yeah, for me, is like one good. of my favourite things uh, about that. I, lo- I love that. It's a shame we can't do that on our on our UK thing, I suppose, really. But there we go. Yeah, I only listen for the grey stuff. I think that's a phrase specifically for Jonathan Warner, I suspect. But uh, yes. <laughs> There we are. So, for the benefit of our audio listeners, get yourselves over to our um, yeah. website. You'll see uh, on the shop. Just click on the uh, the store part of the page. You'll see all them on there. And in answer to Bill's question, yes, uh, he is the uh, he is the show drunk. Uh, <laughs> yes, Armando can confirm it does hold other things other than tea and coffee. How do you select more than one? You don't. Is the short answer. 
It's not that it's not that sophisticated, I'm afraid. Oh my word! Uh, uh, oh, we found a bug. Oh, uh, okay. We got lime. It took us six head. months to get them on here, <laughs> and now Rich, Rich, uh, Richard Adams finds. Fun. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they. You know, the the postage packing is included, so I suppose it's. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, it's yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll work it. You'll out. You'll just have to click the button. <laughs> You know, a few times, me- Richard. Me- Messages, pers- me- if you want more than one, then message us directly and, we're, and we'll, we'll do it outside of the outside of the system. Yeah. That's probably yeah. the easiest way. But if you, if, you, if you just want one, then that's your best bet is to, to do it through there. So there we go. So, Available in the go. US and UK market. Okay. Yes, US and UK. So get, get those uh, fingers clicking. And other markets, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, or not. No? <laughs> I'm going to say... Uh, have- uh, it depends. I don't know. You could if send you live elsewhere. Trip. Yeah, give Matt a ring. Right. Okay. Give him an email. We'll sort it out. The way the way we do it is because it depends on if the, the it depends basically on the service that we use to have the mugs made. It depends on if they have a store in that country. Oh yes. If they yes, do, right. then yes, we can we can do it. If they don't, um, we don't because we don't ship them directly from here. Basically, they they are yeah. they are dispatched from where they're made. But we can organise yeah. something if needed. So if yeah. if you are unable to, you know, if you do, if you don't live in the UK or the US, get in touch. We can still sort it out for you. Yeah. So, okay. social media links. Uh, <laughs> right, okay. So, if you want to know where we are, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram. Search for Plain Talking UK. There's, there's a WhatsApp number <laughs> if you want to send a picture to go on the green screen behind me or Matt. The mugs are still on the screen. You can uh, click on plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six is that WhatsApp number. Matt loves to hear from you about three in the morning. He loves it. Uh, email the show podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. Feedback. We want to hear your feedback. We want to know what you think of the series that we've been running on the show, the great uh, interviews that we've been doing. We'd love your feedback on those if you want to email us. That would be fantastic. Uh, the website, allaws.plaintalkinguk.com is where you'll find our show shop on there you can purchase gray mugs and you can purchase other mugs as well and, uh, and t-shirts. t-shirts as well yeah. and t-shirts not forgetting t-shirts as well on there if you've not already bagged yourself a yeah. UK t-shirt there's also an amazon link on there to do your shopping if you do your shopping on amazon like i think everyone is this time of the year so if you're going to go and buy your um yeah box of lego uh star wars themed lego <laughs> uh don't forget to click on the link it doesn't cost you a single penny but we do get a small referral fee from Amazon. So do your shopping via our link on our website. We would very much appreciate that. And also on the website, you'll find links to Patreon and PayPal if you want to become a supporter of the show. We very much appreciate that as well. All helps to uh, put the show together and to keep Matt um, stocked up with various cables of... um, (laughs) You know, different things with cables. You know what Matt's like with his cables. Loves a cable design, Matt. It's absolutely you, Matt? fine until until you say, "Oh, I want to go and do this in this random location." <laughs> that's when it. That's when we need cables. When I we're know. in here, it's fine because it's all plugged in and ready to go. So we've got time before we say goodbye. So quick round, Robin, Nev. What are you up to next week? Uh, next week, um, various towns and cities around the United Kingdom, uh, Beaconsfield. Um, High Wycombe, Cardiff and Exeter are my destinations for next week uh, in the car. And then the week after that, I'll be in uh, Denmark and Sweden for two or three days for work. Uh, But uh, no, a very hectic schedule at the moment. So, um, yeah, looking forward to to be back on the show next Friday. 
Hello, we've got our first mug sale. Uh, <laughs> oh, very nice. And um, yeah, same for me, really, just work things. Lots of training for me uh, this week as well. Very busy on that front. Got a whole day of training on Tuesday and then the rest of the time just making sure our customers get their lovely Christmas rock wines with them in good time. So I'm going to say thanks to Richard Adams. He has just purchased himself a grey mug. So uh, Richard will be sending that off to you as soon as possible. Hopefully it will be with you by um, Christmas. Christmas, um, <laughs> as long as the Royal Mail thing. Which Christmas? That's yeah, 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 sort yeah, something yeah, out. Very Katie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so hopefully that'll be that'll be uh, fine. But uh, next, what am I doing? What am I doing next week? Oh, do you know what? I've got a rare day in the office on Monday, and I'm really looking forward to just doing office things. Wow. <laughs> but to be fair, I'll probably spend at least two hours cleaning my lorry, because if you see the state of my truck when I got back from Yorkshire um, this afternoon, it went from a lovely blue and shiny colour to a kind of grey. And Carlos doesn't like colour. it when his truck And I don't dirty. like dirty, no. du- and no, dirty no, truck. No, 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 no I don't. No, don't, don't. Uh, so that'll be me next week, plus a load of other driving, I expect, around the UK. Very good. Uh, John, what are you up to next week? Lovely. Excellent. Oh, well really? Done. Thank yeah. you for that. Thanks, John. <laughs> well done. Uh, lovely to hear from you as always. Right. So we're going to say a big thanks to all the chat room for joining us tonight. Everyone in there has uh, been keeping us really amused this evening. So thanks to everyone in the chat room. Thanks to everyone who downloads the show as an audio podcast as well. Thank you to everyone who does that. And don't forget, if you've got a spare five minutes this weekend and you download through uh, Podbean or, or Stitcher or iTunes, if you could leave us a little review on there, that would be fantastic. Other than that, that is where we're going to bring episode 435 to a close. So that's it then. We'll see you next Friday on the show at 7 o'clock next Friday. So from me, Carlos, here in my home studio, from Matt in the P2K Master Suite Studios, from Nev in his, well, his glorious proper studio over there with all the glorious speakers and padding on the wall looks very nice and also a big thanks to john as well not forgetting john our producer who's done all the work on the show behind the background for this week thanks to you as well john see you later and uh, from all of us take care we'll see you next friday say goodbye everyone bye-bye everyone see you bye <laughs>